viable, I guess, then. But, yeah, that's a, again, what you're really saying is, the only time the show is consistently funny is oh. when people who are not in the main cast are on. I'm like, not saying up. that. Kripke's not showing up and making me laugh every second he's on. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I, I think... You... Like, so I guess there aren't that many. How many recurring supporting characters? So there's, there's Leslie Winkle, there's Leonard's mom... There's Sheldon's mom. I think those are the only characters. Oh, and Kripke. Also, you know, before we get any further, this is the Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. Hi, I'm Kyle. We talk about the Big Bang Theory. We try to figure out why people like it. This uh, episode, we actually appear to be starting out by talking about the Big Bang Theory, which I realize is shocking for our audience. Yeah, usually but... usually we have to convince ourselves to to work our, our way into it. But now, here here's what I, I think. So you're saying that all these other characters are so much more interesting when they show up than when... Um, we have an episode that just has the normal main cast on it. But you're not doing that every episode. You're doing that specifically uh, when Leonard's mom shows up again. And I remember last time, I think we had issues with you not being able to reconcile with whether or not you thought she was attractive or I thought she was hot as fuck. Uh, and now she's coming in. Oh, Kyle, you're making a face. I just don't remember. Yeah, yeah, sure you don't. As, as Leonard's mother would say, this is where you're obviously uh, trying to repress certain emotions that come from uh, an insecurity about your own sexual relationships and feelings that you have unresolved with your own mother. Well, she might also just say that this is a classic case of Jungian projection, which is where one person uh, foists the shadow and subconscious aspects of themselves they can't deal with on the nearest available person. I'd foist some aspects of myself on Leonard's mother. I'll tell you that much. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just saying. So here's my pitch for a show that immediately sounds better than this show. Leslie Winkle and Leonard's mom, for some reason, end up in an apartment together as roommates, and they're just out on the town, you know, trying to get laid every single week. I, I dare say that would be too sexual. <laughs> I'm not sure I could handle seeing that every week. It would be dirty. Uh. They're both so detached, too. That's the like, best the, part! The sex would be so mechanical. <laughs> Ugh. Well, anyway, we should probably summarize this episode before we keep talking about details of it. Um, this one, fortunately, doesn't really have an A and a B plot. It's just one plot. Well, it's like 1.5 plots, because it's, bas- it's, it's the Christmas episode, but it's also the least Christmassy Christmas episode that there's ever been of a sitcom. By the way, this is Season 3, Episode 11. Um... If Something we, about the Grinch. My guess is, I know we don't care or play this game anymore. We don't play the game anymore, but I think it's still fine to just know what the episode list's uh, names are. And so today is, uh, it totally sucks, to, the maternal congruence. That's not even trying. But, um, okay. It, it is so called because it's... it's I'm going to stop guessing. It's Christmas time and Leonard's mom is coming in to visit. Um, but Penny realizes uh, that Leonard has never once mentioned their relationship to his mom. And then when his mom gets in, uh, Leonard realizes that his mom has had a much closer relationship with Sheldon than she's had with Leonard. And so Leonard is finding out for the first time things that Sheldon has discussed at length with his mom, which include uh, his mom getting Leonard's mom getting divorced months before the visit. Uh, Leonard's mom having surgery, Leonard's childhood pet dying. All of these are things that his mother just never bothered to tell him because she didn't think that they were anything that were worth telling him, I guess. But which uh, Leonard, which Sheldon and the mom have been having video correspondence about. And so Leonard is all upset. Uh, Penny is kind of upset, but she actually gets over it pretty quickly. She takes 
Leonard's mom out for drinks. Uh, Leonard's mom immediately starts loosening up, wants to bang a busboy at the Cheesecake Factory in the alley. Uh, and then the two of them drunk make their way back to Leonard's apartment where Leonard's mom, uh, in her drunken state, tries to be, a, for just a moment, a bit more uh, intimate and loving with her son by giving him a very awkward hug. Uh, she kisses Sheldon. Sheldon does the appropriate Sheldon thing, which is nothing, just kind of sits and stares in shock. Uh, and Penny kind of earns her place as Leonard's approved girlfriend, who, even though she's not uh, an intellectual or someone that has uh, like a high-achieving career path or really anything like that, uh, she is nonetheless goddamned adorable and charming. And so she she does win over Leonard's mom. And that's really the whole episode. It's it it's it comes and goes pretty quickly. There's nothing really that obnoxious about this one, which is nice, but it was... I don't know. I love Leonard's mom. I can't get enough of her. She's so uptight, um, but so... I don't know. Cutting... Well, she's, I started to say, it's not... She's uptight, like, makes her sound... Pr- what she is yeah, is she's... she's not prudish. She's restrained. She's severe. Yeah, she's... Yeah, she's, uh... She's stoic. But she's also... Yeah, but she's totally straightforward. She's very... Yeah, like with um, Raj and, and Wallowitz. She's like, so when are the two of you going to start discussing your latent homosexuality with each other? So it's it's not like she's uncomfortable discussing sex. She's just, she's she doesn't, she's like Sheldon and not giving a shit about social convention, but also I find her attractive. Yes. I think that's where we are. Um, so my next, uh, I brought this up. I, f- I feel a little bad because I feel like we've talked about this before, but we still don't have enough data to resolve it. But... How does Raj's thing work? Because he apparently he's still whispering in Shell in uh, uh in Wallowitz's ear when the only woman present is um Leonard's mom, which I took to mean because I have always interpreted his inability to talk to women as restricted to an inability to talk to women he's like sexually attracted to. Like I assume it doesn't extend to family members and you know other like aged women or like children i hope and so so like i assumed it was like only like the range of women that he that make him ashamed of his own sexuality that makes it so he can't talk so i think what we need to have to show that that's not the case isn't anything that's come up so far because any woman that's been on this show except for his own mother could be someone that he's sexually attracted to because they're all adult women who are usually someone that one of the group is pining over. What we need is an episode where there is someone that Raj um, definitively finds unattractive that he's able to speak with. And it just like walks up to him and is like, Hey ugly, how you doing? <laughs> yeah. And then, um, so if we ever get that, I think a little subtle it, but I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I just think that uh, Raj sees in, uh, Leonard's mom, what, what I see in her as well. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not shaming Raj. I'm just trying to figure out how it works. And it's also making me realize how few, like, extras are actually on this show, or how few, like... It's a pretty tight show, Like I mean, how as far few, as characters like, go. Like, there's never a scene where, like, I don't know, Raj has to go to the hospital and talk to the person behind the counter or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty sparse. Like, there's a scene in this episode where... Uh, Penny and Leonard's mom go to the Cheesecake Factory to get drunk. And even though it's supposed to be a busy restaurant, they manage to keep it just (laughs) the shot at one angle the entire time. And they only have the bartender 
pop in really quickly to to deliver more drinks, but they don't show anyone yeah. else that might be in the restaurant. Yeah, that was the most unrealistic part of the whole episode to me was the well that this is too high a bar what i meant was i've never been a bar in la where you can just point back to your drink and have the bartender immediately refill it like that it is a fight for those of you who don't live in los angeles it is a struggle and a war to get a drink from a bartender see i imagine that that's just how convenient the world is for assertive people because i'm used to you know having to struggle to get into the to the the bar and get your drink or whatever but at the same time when i get to the front of the bar my way of getting the bartender's drink and to attention to get a drink is usually for me to like very reluctantly lay raise a finger and just be like excuse me excuse me i'm not like penny who's like hey give me another one it's like is it is it my turn for beer sir madam so I think that has more to do with it. Um, but also, I mean, you know, she works there. She can just, she can get... Yeah, that might have something to do with it, too. Yeah. Although she doesn't know the busboy's name. That's true. Maybe the busboy is so beneath her that she's not, that he's not worth knowing. Uh, where, unlike that, uh, Leonard's mom is very eager to touch his butt and to slide his business card into her, into his pants. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't, it's, I feel like... You, you've got to bring up something else. I'm just going to be focused on Leonard's mom this whole time. She well, she captivates me. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. She's, uh, I mean, so the only, there is a slight, you said there's nothing Christmassy in the, this episode, but I have to. Oh, except for the intro, I guess. But. Well, it's, uh, the whole thing, of course, you realize the whole thing is thematically tied into how the Grinch stole Christmas. So loosely, though. Yeah, but I mean, they even have her say, once they've gotten her super wasted, she's like, my heart feels like it has grown all warm and tingly. I, I do not believe she says that. I believe she comes close and she. She doesn't say my heart has grown three sizes. It's she, true. she says that she feels a warmth, uh, per, not protruding, but like. Growing out from her heart. Yes. And they should have just had her say it, that, that she felt like her heart was growing. Yes, so somehow. that's why, I guess that's what I'm saying, is it was such an easy slam dunk to tie it back into the a beginning of the episode where they're watching the Grinch Stole, crowd the Grinch Stole Christmas, which, by the way, not a very funny joke, but we find Sheldon thinks that the Grinch, before he, you know, has the does the 180, is a better person, which is probably how most people, I think, actually, now that I think about it, I think that's how I feel about how the Grinch stole Christmas, too, now that... That you like him better before he... Yeah, I mean, isn't the evil Grinch much more fun than just, like, the dopey, hey, Christmas is for everyone Grinch? Well, he's much more interesting, um, for sure. And that's because, like, otherwise, what would you have? You'd have Whoville and just a bunch of people being nice to each other all the time and everything going fine. And then the Grinch would show up and he's like, hey, I'm also here now to deliver presents, which is essentially how it all ends, but... Yeah, exactly. Um... You need the villain for the drama. I also... This is going to sound stupid. I don't like or trust nice people. <laughs> All right? What's their agenda? Why, why are they so easy to get along with? I need someone that has an edge to them if I have any, if I have any interest in them. Yes. That's um, why I only... I exclusively talk to actors who have played the Joker. Those oh, are my only friends. The, oh. It's Jared Leto and Joaquin Phoenix, and for a brief period of time before un- things ended, unfortunately, Heath Ledger. Those were those were my boys. Now it's only the three of us at the bar. Jack Nicholson's too old to come out with us anymore. Is he? I'm pretty sure he's out having a good time all, all the time. I feel like this is what Jack Nicholson does. There's a... <laughs> yeah... This has yes. nothing to do with this episode. So what? what? I'm just thinking of a random YouTube clip I saw where 
he's taught he randomly is talking to jennifer lawrence and he's like doing his creepy old man thing which is like hey you look like a you look like a girlfriend i used to have and and she because she's sort of weird and delightful herself is like i don't look like a girlfriend you could have now so she flirts right back which is sort of the interesting thing about it but oh to be jack nicholson or to be jennifer lawrence my skin would be so smooth yeah she seems to have fun um that has nothing to do with anything anyway you don't of course you don't trust happy or nice people i mean to be fair i don't either but you know i recognize that that's my problem oh i don't think it's my i think it's the no you literally yes you literally think all nice people secretly have an evil agenda i'm sure some of them do well i I think i think when people are it's not like i want mean people but i want people that are, are clear about their motivations people that are just like polite and friendly and nice all the time it's like what what are you getting at where's there's got to be something you want that's how society works it's a series of transactions and to just be pleasant for no reason is disgusting just tell me what you want and then we can be friendly with each other afterwards um for instance i want uh i if i were being nice to leonard it would be because i just want to know more about his mom and yeah. I think I've had other friends like that. So, <laughs> um, the only other thing that's interesting in this episode is I feel like um, so. Oh yeah, so we yeah we find out that Leonard's parents are getting a divorce, which you know whatever. We find out that Leonard's dog has died, and so he's very upset. Mm-hmm. He, there's the one scene where they cut away from the from the Penny Leonard's mom debauchery is Leonard is sort of sulking in his room, and Sheldon comes in to tell him. You know, what is actually basically the moral of almost all, like, family sitcoms and network TV, um, which is a broad statement, but I think it's true. He basically says, look, I know your family sucks. I get it. But hey, you have me. I'm your surrogate family now. Um, he doesn't say it any, like, I'm making it sound like it's a warm and touching moment. No, that's, that's literally how he says it. Yeah, yeah, that's literally, he gives it like the flattest, in fact, his final words on the matter after it's like, wait, you're my surrogate family? He's like, if it makes you feel better, I don't like it either. But, um... You know what's weird about that, though? I actually did find that genuinely touching. Because, it is genuinely touching. Um, because I feel, feel like growing up myself, I did not have good family relationships, and so I was very lucky to have my, my friendship surrogate family. And Leonard, uh as miserable as his family relationships are and as miserable as Sheldon is as a person, it is nice to have that somebody that understands that they're, they're there to support you and to help you and care for you. Even if it's fucking Sheldon. Yeah. No, I mean, I think Sheldon was being entirely sincere. He just sort of sucks at sounding comforting, but if you just, if you just look at, if you just listen to the words instead of paying attention to anything else about him, it is a very touching, uh, meaningful, point uh i do think it does make me wonder like how he sees that family dynamic working because if you look at the way the rest of this episode is coded he's basically leonard's dad in this episode a little bit yeah i mean stepdad yeah he's leonard's stepdad in this episode yeah um right down to one of the jokes is uh when they're like uh they're like uh that was because uh, Leonard's mom is like, that was two months. Oh yeah, that was right after Mitzi died. And Leonard's like, my dog's dead. And Sheldon goes, well, she was old and going blind. What choice did we have? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, which yeah, 
I think, and actually looking back, if you look back over the course of this show, if you stop thinking of them as friends and start thinking of their dynamic as one guy inexplicably sees the other as a child that he is somehow saddled with taking care of, um, <laughs> despite, you know, it actually makes a lot of their, it's not a perfect analogy, but it makes a lot of their dynamic make more sense. I, I think you're really onto something there because we've questioned over and over again what the nature of their relationship is and why they're, they're friends. Why anyone is friends with uh, Sheldon, really. And maybe Sheldon keeps interjecting himself into their lives because as misguided as it may be, maybe he does feel he has a, a responsibility to keep all these wacky characters on the straight and narrow. Yeah. That he's the one who obviously with his superior intellectual capabilities needs to just always be there watching to make sure that they never stray too far. Yes. Um, yeah. This brought up something that is also kind of a, a trope in old loveless relationships. Oh, and for, so that's two things. The first thing I thought is that, you know, we used to joke about how Leonard and Sheldon had whatever uh, devious BDSM piss boy relationship uh, that seemed pretty obvious in the earlier episodes. We haven't talked about that in a while um, and how it does make a lot more sense for Sheldon just to see himself as, uh, if not just a family member, you know, potentially a father figure. And then the other thing I was thinking was about how unfortunate it is, but it seems like a common thing, at least in sitcoms or maybe media generally, but the, the loveless and sexless marriage, uh, because Leonard's mom says that she has not had sex with the father in like eight years and how maybe I'm just lucky in that I've not been in a, in a loveless marriage, but I feel like at some point the two people have to check in and be like, are we going to just fuck around? Cause this isn't working, right? It's just not like eight years is so long. Oh my God. And she nonetheless needs her orgasms. That's a thing that she talks about with Penny is how she's been like responsible for her own orgasms since like 1998 or something like I'll, that. You know, I don't have that much data to go on, but I think this is another, just one of those baby boomer things. You think so? Yeah. I think that's, you know, cause they're, they were raised in a generation where you just stayed married, you know, particularly if you had kids. I guess that's true. You know, I, uh, I definitely think of one or two situations where I wish I didn't know this dynamics that specifically, but where I, they definitely like, yeah, it's, yeah, I know people like this. It's not yeah. that it wasn't nearly as surprising to me. You're right that I hadn't thought about how it's kind of a trope on TV. Um, yeah, I don't think of it that often in real life because I'm just not really thinking about <laughs> people's parental relationships and how often boning is happening, but it, I feel like it comes up pretty frequently with someone's like, oh, yeah, we haven't slept together in months or years or whatever. We just stay together because of X reason. Yeah, because we're scared because people are scared to be alone, you know. But if aren't you like almost alone anyway, if you're at that point in the deterioration of your relationship? Yeah, and people are bad at reading <sighs> things like that. Like you're, you're not wrong that it's a sign that things are going horribly wrong and that any therapist would immediately go, oh, well, if you guys can't even stand to be intimate with each other anymore, there's probably some deep issues you need to examine here. Leonard's mom is like a psychiatrist or something. <laughs> I mean, I remember there was, because there was literally, there was a movie about this. I want to say it was Tommy Lee Jones and Meryl Streep. Um, this was one of those, you know, weird... This sounds awful, whatever movie this is. <laughs> it is. Well, it's a very... You know how they... You know, it was in that niche market of movies that they make specifically for, like, 
for like baby boomers in their fifties and sixties and seventies to convince them, you know, you're, one of those, you're hey, something's got to gives. Yeah. Well, no, not even that funny, but yes, just like, Hey, you know how, even though you're old, you're still alive. You can still kick it. And this one was literally about an aging couple that decided that they're going to take uh couples counseling because the why because even though they think they're happy, you know, the wife secretly resents the husband because they haven't boned in forever. Mm. And the whole thing is that the whole movie is basically about how Tommy Lee Jones feels like he can't get it up for Meryl Streep anymore. I watched that. That was a movie. Steve Carell, I think, played the therapist. It was horrifying. So what happened with Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones' boner? I, I, Did they fix it? Did they I, fix his boner? <laughs> I think they make it work at the end of the movie, but it's a, it's a rough call. Um, so, yeah. I think it's a thing. I do think it's a, it's a, here's, I think what you're, it's part of that whole, you know, we're in a moment right now. Uh, there's a lot of jokes about, about at the expense of baby boomers right now. Um, <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> yeah, there are. Okay. So you, you don't like that joke very much. I get it, but no, it's fine. It's just, it's, there's too much of it. Yeah, it is a little overplayed. It, it was, it flared up and burned out as quickly the, as it came. The commentary is funny. Like I saw, like here, this was a joke I saw on Twitter today, which is there should be a dating app called OK Boomer, where people who meet in high school immediately get married to the first person they held hands with and then never go to therapy. That sounds like a good joke. It is. It's a great joke. But that's like, it's the lack of introspection, right? It's like when you're like one of the things that makes our generation explicitly different from older generations is that when we are incredibly traumatized, we just lay that shit out there for everyone to see we make we do not uh we're not nearly as you know we're awkward and ashamed and of all sorts of situations but it just never occurs to us to not to like not ask ourselves hey is it possible that i am fundamentally psychologically damaged in some way we just take that for granted that is i think that's the missing thing is that that was true of a lot it's just like like prior to a certain point in uh like what you go like one and a half generations back and it's just all people are like no i'm fine i'm always fine yeah of course i haven't like of course every time i think about crying it makes me want to pick up a baseball bat and hit my son in the face inexplicably but that's just you know that's normal every that's the everybody feels the way i feel the fact that you know whenever i think about my my dad i suddenly feel the need to drink 10 gallons of jack daniels that's just that's just being human, right? This reminds me of advice. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but advice I got from my stepdad once. When um, So my stepdad is boomer age, obvs, and he also grew up in um, a small town Irish Catholic mining area. And so emotions didn't exist there. But I was 19. I had my very first like big breakup with a girlfriend and it destroyed me. And, you know, it, like, it wasn't like a real serious relationship. You just, you're vulnerable. Emotions flare up. And so I was, I was destroyed. And the advice my stepdad gave me was, well, you know, someday your body is just going to stop producing the hormones that give you all those different emotions. And then it's just going to kind of sort itself out. So if you just wait long enough, it won't really be a problem anymore. <laughs> and I feel like he genuinely believes that. And maybe, maybe that was just the way people felt. I don't know if like my stepdad is particularly introspective in that or if he just has a much more detached view than others, but maybe that is the way is like, if we just stick it out long enough, our feelings will eventually just go away. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, I mean, I don't think it's true. I think people who tell themselves that are lying to themselves, but, but I do think, think a lot of them is true. Yeah. I think a lot of people tell themselves that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. 
think the narrative is legitimate. Um, wow, we sort of <laughs> unless okay. you unless you've got anything else to bring up, we should probably wrap up there on that super pleasant note. Uh, do you think Penny's not Penny? Do you think Leonard's mom believes in eugenics? Um, I doubt that she believes in eugenics in like that she would see it as a way of making a better civilization. Like she obviously wants, well, I think this episode kind of shows that she doesn't necessarily, because what I was going to say is like, yeah, she may want all of her, uh, brood to marry into other high achieving, high powered families so that they can, I guess, you know, have their own little high-achieving line. And in that sense, that's eugenics. But at the same time, by the end of it, she's like, yeah, Penny's fine. Fuck her, whatever. Well, yeah, but I thought that was just because she was implicitly saying, you know, if you two have children, yeah, you'll lose a few points on IQ. But what you'll gain in charisma will totally sort itself out in the long run. I mean, she did, she says nothing of that sort in this episode. I just think that would have been funny for her to be like, she's like, you know, sometimes you have to have slightly dumber kids. As long as they're hot, it's going to work itself out. You know, I like this version of Leonard's mom a lot more. <laughs> the one that is very openly into eugenics and has like a scoring system for what traits are worth keeping around. I mean, already she implicitly has something like that, but that it, that it changes and that different uh, traits actually have different mathematical values. Oh, I remember what your favorite, well, I don't know if this was your favorite line in the episode, but I just remembered the line, uh, the funniest line, I think, in the episode, which is, so, you are sleeping with Leonard? Penny goes, yes. What's his penis? How did his penis turn out? She's like, oh, I can't talk about, can't talk about his penis with you. Okay. How's the busboy's penis? That was pretty good. I love how much he was into that busboy. Because she has like, <laughs> it was fun. Anyway. Now we're really wrapping up. Third time I've said it. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, you can find us on bbttpodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. We're on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now let's get to our happy nerd thing of the week. I'm going to go first because I'm scared you're going to steal it if I don't because uh, I don't have a lot to say about it. I'm kind of cheating this week. Um, I'm going to recommend a movie, and that movie is Parasite, which you also saw, but we didn't see it together. Oh, when did you see it? I just saw it this last weekend. Fucking awesome, right? It is pretty great. And the reason I'm saying it's cheating is because <laughs> I can share so little of it without spoiling anything. Yes. Um, like, if you've seen the trailer, you kind of know everything I'm already going to say about it. But it's it's a Korean film. And basically, it features a very poor family, four of them all living together, really, really just scraping by to make ends meet and not, not doing a great job when... The, the son in the family gets an opportunity to tutor uh, by, by uh, fabricating some documents to, be, uh, to, be, to, to fake that he's a university student, um, teaches English to this incredibly wealthy family, uh, and then kind of starts worming his way more and more into their lives. But I don't know what I can say about it beyond that, because... Like, you can say it has a really good twist. It does have a great twist. Like, and it, argue, like the maybe the best the best twist I've seen and like a like an Alfred Hitchcock level twist. And to not say anything not about Not like an M Night Shyamalan twist where you're like, "Oh, well this is arbitrary and stupid." It has like one of those perfect like, "Oh, this 
this makes this movie 10,000 times more interesting than I thought it was going to yeah. be. Like, right out of nowhere twist. Well, and it's because it's a, it's a thematically satisfying twist. Yes. It's not like it's arbitrary. It's not there to shock you or anything. I mean, it maybe it kind of is. I wouldn't say so. But it's just given what is going on with the movie and how it's a poor family struggling and kind of doing, like, whatever they can to get by uh, and holding their own lives up against those of this wealthy family who has life so easy and in a way are so gullible um, that when the twist comes along, it's both kind of exciting and scary and also heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and so I won't say much more about it yeah, than I that. Yeah, I think you've said enough. Yes. Um, but it's a fantastic film. Just go see it. I'm just going to wrap it up there. Uh, Parasite. It's got a big wide release. Check it out. Kyle, what's what's yours? Am I allowed to just say something is, like, it has to be something I liked, right? I can't just talk about how fucking bonkers something that I've recently seen is. If you like it because it's so bonkers, why not? I don't like it. I just gotta say, without getting too much into it, I've been watching that Watchmen TV show. That shit is bananas. So nothing on that show makes any... It's not like... It just. It's inexplicable to me that it exists in the way that it exists. It is like, watching it feels like having a stroke well, every single episode. Explain a little bit more about what why that is. It is like, so they made a, there was a graphic, I'm really going to start at the beginning. There was a graphic novel called Watchmen, made in, came out in like 1986. Arguably the most, not necessarily the best, but definitely the most influential and widely talked about graphic novel yeah. like mainstream basically it was the graphic novel that went main the about superheroes that went mainstream well, and it was, it was praised for like being a postmodern deconstruction of superheroes and like yeah that was a, i mean oh well i thought that was like why everyone liked it so no much. deconstruction is right i don't know if postmodern is right but i'm being i'm sorry i'm being a dick by making that i don't mean to be pedantic here okay. you're right it was it was like the reason people liked it is because it had a very strong thematic take on superhero fiction that felt adult and mature and well thought out. And people were like, Oh, I never really thought about it this way. And also it was incredibly well constructed. And, um, you know, some of the plot points have not aged well, but you know, it's still, it's, it's an important piece of history, right? If nothing else. And I would argue it's been a little overhyped at this point. Even the author is like, yeah, I wish people would stop associating me with that one fucking book, but Oh, well, that's because Alan Moore is a crotchety old fuck. <laughs> yes, that has a lot to do with it. But um, anyway, it's a good... And then they made it into a, a weird movie that was like, meh. Uh. So then they're like, we're making an HBO show that is a sequel to the graphic novel. Not the movie, which I guess makes sense, but the movie has some continuity differences. So it's like, no, this isn't just... We're not remaking the graphic novel Watchmen as a TV show, which you might m expect. We are making a show that is completely different but that is set in the future of the Watchmen universe because Watchmen took place in contemporarily in 1986 so now it's like well what does that world look like today and the answers that they come up with so far are just baffling to me <laughs> just pants shittingly bizarre i'm not even mad i realize i sound mad but it's not like the kind of th it's not like a oh they're destroying my childhood thing i never felt that strongly about it it's just like why like in the first episode turns out it's set in oklahoma okay that's the first weird thing about it it's okay. set in tulsa oklahoma because um why not i don't know 
because because the show is about racism now um but it's it's and it's an examination of how racism and police violence work but now the police are more multicultural except some of them are still racist but they all wear masks so now the original graphic novel was about vigilantes but now the show is about well what if the police became like the vigilantes but they still were slightly different from vigilantes but they all wear masks now but the bad guys also wear masks and they wear Rorschach masks because this is still somehow tied into Watchmen are you following me you, you want me to actually answer that? Yes. Because I was kind of just spacing out while you did your thing. That's fine. Okay. It doesn't make any... I mean, actually, I will say the one brilliant note in the whole thing is there's a character in the original called Rorschach, and the idea that people would read his, like, manifesto that where he talks about how black and white shouldn't mix and be like, oh, yeah, he meant miscegenation literally. Not, like, this wasn't, like, this wasn't, like, a moral thing where he was making some sort of absolutist standard about morality and there's good and evil and everyone knows the difference. No, he literally meant black and white people couldn't mix. So now instead of, like, dressing up like the KKK, everyone dresses up like Rorschach. Oh, and reparations happened. That's oh. <laughs> So this is a Ren. So that's, all of this is just going on simultaneously. It's like, yes... Some of the characters from the book are running around. Whenever we fall back on them, the stuff that they're doing actually does seem kind of to tie into like who they were and what's been going on with their characters. But you've also got the main plot, which is entirely this weird, like, well, what if Tulsa, Oklahoma was a black economic power again, the way it hasn't been since the Tulsa race riots, but all the white people got mad and decided to dress like Rorschach and try to burn it down, but the multicultural police force was you know, committed to stopping them, but because they were afraid of their lives, they all had to wear costumes. But because they're wearing costumes, they can feel, they can indulge in police brutality. So now you have a bunch, so the good guys are also waterboarding the bad guys, but it's okay because they're racist now, and they also can use science to tell people are racist. There's literally like a machine that you... Oh, alright, I don't like that part. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, it's just like, the show is like one of the best examples of something trying to be about something so badly that it completely just fails to have a meaningful conversation about it. That makes me think of the Watchmen movie, which some, like tried so hard to 100% mimic the comic book while at the same time not really getting any part of the comic book. Yeah, so I do want to avoid like it's not that it's not like it's dramatically interesting. There are interesting mysteries on the show. The acting is great, the action is interesting, the music is fantastic. So there's a lot of things that you could say that are good about the show. It's just that on the level that it wants to like where it feels like it's pr at least pretending that it cares about having a real conversation about the thematics and optics of like police brutality and racism it's doing a terrible fucking job and i do not i do not know whose fucking idea it was to bring all of that extra baggage into this graphic novel series that was already a little overloaded with thematic and philosophic questions to begin with yeah so one recommendation for parasite and one this is just bananas. Maybe check it out for Watchmen. Yeah, I don't even... Again, I don't know. If you don't have to check it out. It's fine. Um, are, are there any severe moms in there who are trying to get it wet? No, but now that you mention it, I also saw Terminator Dark Fate. That was pretty good. What? I mean, what? Yeah. Was it? I mean, people people don't like it, but that's just because... So, here's the thing. I, mean, I didn't see it, so I can't... I, I, I was on the fence about seeing it. Here, I'm here, very forgiving about those movies. Is it, is it as good as Terminator? No, but Terminator is, like, arguably a perfect movie. Is it as good as Terminator 2? No, but Terminator 2 is arguably the perfect sequel 
to one of the most perfect movies ever made. And then, is it better than every subsequent Terminator movie that's been made? Yeah, by like a thousand percent. Excuse me, but did it have the line, as there was in Genesis... I'm sick and tired of all these goddamn time-traveling robots. <laughs> no. It doesn't have a line like that. I'm out. No, it does. I will admit it does not have that line. But it has Linda Hamilton being like old and badass and crotchety in a way that's just delightful. And also the main couple totally coded as lesbians. And I had a big, you know, I've been having debates on the internet about this. Not about whether they're like basically everyone who sees this movie is like, huh, they're coded as lesbians. But it's not clear that like the writers of the movie knew that it really it seems like some bizarre case where like they wrote out a relationship for these characters and then the actresses were just all like "Ah, i guess we could have that relationship but what if we just smoldered at each other the entire movie instead and it's delightful 